we uh, assume that our prospective investors or our investor list is as enthusiastic about real estate as we are. And here's the reality. Yeah. They aren't. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> they don't, most of them don't give a crap. Most of them are just looking for the ROI. They're looking for a yes. good place to put their money and a good person to put it in with. And they just want to know that you know your stuff and yep. they want the gist of it. Welcome to the Threefold Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll not only learn how you can achieve massive success in multifamily real estate investing, but also how you can simultaneously pursue great relationships with your family and a better walk with God. You can achieve financial freedom through real estate investing without sacrificing the relationships that mean the most to you. Now, here's your host, Lee Yoder. Welcome back, Threefold listeners. I hope you're having a great week. We've got another great guest for you today. Dave Dubow is joining us from all the way up north in Canada. I wish I was in Canada this time of year when it's uh, 90 and humid here in Ohio. But um, Dave's up there. And, and Dave is um, well, he's a podcast host and creator of the Money Partner Formula. He and his team work with mom and pop real estate investors providing done-for-you marketing services to help them raise capital. He's a best-selling author and speaker based in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. He began his real estate investing career in 2013, uh, doing 18 deals in 18 months. And nowadays he invests passively in multifamily properties, but he also uh, does a great job of educating people on capital raising. So Dave, first of all, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Lee, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really excited to get into the capital raising. Um, you know, you and I were talking a little bit before, Dave, and um, we've raised, you know, for me, a lot of capital. Um, for our deals and been blown away and God's really provided there, but it's, it's been really difficult. It's a, it's a mm. challenge. And so we'll get into a little bit more later. Um, I, I can't wait to dig into that with you, uh, Dave, cause I know you're one of the experts on this, but can you just tell our listeners a little bit, just a little bit more about your history? How'd you get into real estate? Um, you know, kind of how'd you get going and then, and what got you to where you are today? Well, thanks very much. Yeah. So Lee, I got back into, into real estate in 2003 after mm. living overseas for almost 14 years. Uh, spent a decade okay. in Costa Rica, got married, had kids, the whole bit, and then moved the whole Costa Rican family to Canada and had to start all over again from scratch in 2003. So basically, I was in a, a new city, had no contacts. I had not been able to sell my business, so I didn't have very much money. I mm. didn't have any credit because I've been out of the country so long. Mm. And I'd been self-employed for a long time, so it was pretty much unemployable. So there I was figuring, <laughs> trying to figure out what the heck am I going to do? Yikes. Yeah. And I saw one of those late night infomercials that said something like, you too can get rich in real estate with little or no money down. I said, perfect. That's what I got. Little or no money down. <laughs> yep. Right. So Must I sent away for the course, sent away for the course and did a whole bunch of, uh, you know, creative type deals, 18 deals in 18 months, single family home. Sounds impressive, but they're, most of them are crappy little single family homes and sure, uh, sure. trailers. And but it got you started. Got, got me going. started. Um, Hooked up with an up and coming uh, real estate guru up here, kind of our version, Canadian version of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, okay. and helped him grow his company. So it took a few years off of oh, actively neat. investing, jumped back in, back into more of a, a buy and hold kind of a strategy with single family homes, and then eventually moved up into multifamily as well and started raising capital around there. Failed miserably at the beginning, crashed and burned. And then that's when I decided to apply what I knew about marketing to okay. raising capital and uh, became pretty good at it for, for my own single family home deals. Then 
later on into multifamily. And then we started working with other newer capital raisers and, and helping them to raise capital awesome. for their deals as well. Okay. So yeah. you've been there. I mean, you, you've walked the walk, you know, now, now you're talking the talk, but you've walked the walk, you've been there and you've struggled at it. You, you know, you've seen uh, how it can be a struggle when you don't have uh, the right things in place. And um, like yeah. I said, you know, earlier, I have two. It's pretty easy to get people to tell you that they want to invest in real estate. Oh, and, yeah. To get them to tell you that they want to do it with you and, and you know, yeah, excited for the next deal. But not just that um, that they're flaky or anything, but you have to be in the right, it has to be right timing. So yeah. um, that's what's tough, you know, for, I mean, especially when you're in multifamily, people might be ready, but then six months from now, maybe they're not ready. So yeah. it's, it's difficult. And um, and then, yeah, some people just, they, they think well, they're ready. So, so it's it's one of those things, especially yeah. at your stage, Lee. It's it's one of those activities you can never stop doing, right? So you oh, can't be right. resting on your your laurels. Uh, you can't be expecting that all those soft commitments are going to turn into hard commitments. I do have one tip there. Yes, please. So so when when we're working with our clients, our goal is uh, with the the whole process is to get investor meetings booked, and then the okay. goal of the investor meeting is to get a soft to medium commitment. <laughs> we, we hear yeah. about these soft commitments, which typically are verbal commitments. People say, Hey Lee, yeah. Count me in when you got your next deal, put me on the list. I'm in for 50 grand or a hundred grand or whatever it is. Yes. Right? Yeah. If you just do one little extra thing and get them to sign off on an expression of interest or a letter of intent, it's not legally binding. Yeah. However, just the, mere act of them signing their name on it firms it up so really? much more than that verbal commitment. And, and if you try this, my friend, I think you're going to see a much higher success rate of people actually following through because otherwise here's what happens, right? If somebody says, Hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm in, I'm really interested. Let me, let me know about your next deal. Well, yeah, maybe they are, or maybe they're just telling you what they think you want to hear. Right. Because they, yeah. they don't want you bugging them <laughs> or, or whatever it is. But if they actually sign off on this expression of interest, and that's all it is. It's expressing their interest. I, Dave Dubow, am interested in investing a sum of up to $100,000 with Lee in yep. one of his real estate deals if he finds one within the next three to six months. Right? So you, you define yeah. those. That's good. Date it. They sign it. I sign it. Non-legally binding. But sure. I tell you what. You get me to sign on that piece of paper, most people feel much more committed when they've signed off on something like that. No, it totally makes sense, David. Yeah, you're talking about getting that phone call set up. I mean, that that's a big step and it's good. And I I'll mark those people once we've had that conversation and, and, and build a relationship and then it, and it continues from there. But like I'll mark them as a hot lead. And yeah. going into this last deal was like I think I had 110 or 120 hot leads. So, you know, our list is bigger than that, but these were people that had said, just like you, you said there, Dave, like, yep, we're ready. Show us your next deal. Yep. Ready to go. Um, so I had like 110, 120, I only needed like 35 to actually invest in the deal. And it was really difficult getting 35 out of 110, 120. So I can totally see how something like that. Maybe yeah, it, would, it, would, be it so would probably, big. it would probably narrow down the yes. 110 and that's fine. Probably, probably 70 or 80. Yeah. But those people would be, would be much more committed. Yeah. yeah. Which is yeah. what we want. Yeah. I don't need, I don't need 120 people. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather get half of 70 to actually do it than 
because you know there's 120 then a quarter people of 120 yeah I'm, yeah i'm going after them you know i'm yeah. hey you know remember this and, and you know trying to get a quarter of them to do it but I, yeah just so much more work to, to go after them and things like that so i can see that what um what other tricks so after that dave what, what what's um i guess what would you say maybe is something um or, or you you tell me where you take this but my next thought is like okay how do we keep them warm so we get them mm. to sign that i can totally see how that kind of just in their mind like i committed to lee or i, I committed three four i committed to right. Dave. um so I kind of need to hold that money back. I can't go invest in something else because I, I kind of committed just again, mm -hmm. not binding, but they wrote it down. So I can totally see that. But what, maybe what else are we doing as the months go by and we don't have a deal oh, that's yet? that's a good question. Tell me, how do we keep them warm or keep them interested? Yeah, that's, that's excellent. That's really, really important. So that's where your marketing comes into play there, Lee. So, okay. yeah. so what I call your constant, consistent, edutaining communication, <laughs> okay. right? Yeah. So edutaining means a little bit educational, and hopefully a little bit entertaining. So yeah. we'll actually open it up and look at it every once in a while, but staying in touch with them, staying top of mind, letting them know that you're actively looking for deals, right? So in your position, uh, you might consider, you know what? Well, here's what we, I'll just, I'll explain what we do for our clients. So for, okay. we're working with clients and we're doing the, the, the marketing stuff for them. We're going to have something coming out for them to their list once a week at minute. Okay right? Wow. Not always the same thing. So yeah. the first week of the month, for example, it's going to be electronic newsletter, right? So here's yep. what we've been up to in your case, because you guys are at a, at a fairly high level with, with your deal flow and your size, of your portfolio, number of prospective investors, but you want to be communicated with them. So the newsletter might be a combination of a little bit corporate, a little bit company stuff, plus mm -hmm. some personal stuff. Here's the key thing mm -hmm. that I've learned over the years, Lee. We don't want it to be all business sure. and that's the temptation, right? But the reality is that people like to invest with other people who they know, like, and trust. Sure. Yep. They don't, they're not investing with Lee because, you know, they like the logo of threefold. They're investing with Lee and your team because they like you, right? And they trust you and they know you. So if you can inject a little bit of your personality into your marketing, Right. So not just all about deals and real estate and all this kind of stuff, but also include a little bit about you and the family and what you guys have been up to. And maybe some if you got kids, some pictures of the kids or the dog or whatever. That kind of stuff is the glue that really keeps people engaged and, and involved. So newsletter, that would be one week, uh, first week of the month. Then we might follow up with a blog post the next week. Okay. Educational, edutaining. Yep. Followed by maybe the following week, maybe a video log. And then maybe another, so drip, drip, drip every single week. Yeah. Something short and sweet showing up in their inbox. So they know that you exist. So they know that you're still actively doing stuff. They know that you're really looking for a deal for them. Maybe you're explaining the fact a little bit about why it's, it's difficult to find deals. You don't have this is as much of a deal flow as you'd like to, because you're so picky about the deals that you do. You yep. want to get involved in with your investor partners yeah. because you're looking out for their best interests, you know, so you're educating people about the process without overdoing it. So that's one of the big challenges I see Lee all the time is, uh, yeah, we, uh, assume that our prospective investors or our investor list is as enthusiastic about real estate as we are. And here's the reality. Yeah. They aren't. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> they don't, most of them don't give a crap. Most of them are just looking for the ROI. They're looking for a yes. good place to put their money and a good person to put it in with. 
and they just want to know that you know your stuff and yep. they want the gist of it. Is that yeah. making sense? I think that's right. Oh I yeah. People, I agree with you. I see people all the time. Like they're sending data and they're sending graphs and charts and they're and all of their marketing stuff has all this jargon in it. NOI, IRRs, cap rates, all this kind of stuff. Yep. Assuming that people understand what that means when quite often, even if they're accredited investors, they don't necessarily know what all that stuff means. So it doesn't hurt to keep it super simple, dumb it down a little bit and just make it easier for people to consume. Yeah, that's really good stuff, David. I mean, I can second all that that I've, I've seen, you know, when I have done that stuff, it's, it's been really beneficial when I have it. And, and the feedback we get from investors that they like seeing that stuff, they like learning, but I mean, you can tell and, and by the likes and the hits and the response and stuff, they really like the family stuff. They really like to get to know yeah. us. And, and I'm always saying, I think we're trying to get our, you know, potential investors more comfortable and confident in investing in multifamily mm -hmm. properties just in general, but then we're trying to get them more comfortable and confident in doing it with threefold. And a lot of that is, is just all that stuff you were saying, educating, but also being entertaining and being open and telling them about ourselves. Um, going forward with that, Dave, what, what, uh, what would you say are like maybe um, a common mistake or two? And maybe you've kind of hit on this. Maybe it's like not doing some of the stuff you just said that you need to do, but yeah. what's the, what are maybe some of the most common mistakes people make uh, that sets them up for failure when they go to try to raise capital for a deal? Yeah, that's a great question. So some of the biggest ones I see all the time, Lee, are waiting too long to get started, oh, right? Because sure. we hear yep. all the gurus say, hey, find a good deal and the money yep. will find you. Money will follow. Yep. Baloney. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I know this I is agree. family friendly. I'll watch my P's accuser. Baloney. <laughs> that's that's not the way it works, right? You got to get your investors lined up, right? Get those medium soft commitments or medium hard commitments, whatever we want to call them. Get those yep. lined up and then be looking for deals or at the rock bottom minimum, both at the same time, right? Because yep. the worst yep. place, as you alluded to, to be is to have a deal on the go and then to be scrambling to raise the money last minute, right? So- yeah. You want to have, you, you want to have those investors lined up. Another thing is, which you've experienced as well, is always have more investors and more capital lined up than you think you need. Oh, yeah. So that when the smoke clears, you're going to have at least what you need, right? So I always, again, we typically work with, with people that are at the stage you were when you were first getting started with raising capital, right? So you're, mm -hmm. you're at a much higher level now, but it's, it, it, it's have, twice as much capital lined up, twice as many investors lined up oh, as you need. I agree. So when yes. the smoke clears, you're going to be solid. Yep. yep. Uh, some of the other mistakes I see people making all the time, they're very hit and miss with their communications, right? So yeah. yep. they got a deal on the go. So first of all, they waited too long. <laughs> they got a deal on the go. They're scrambling like crazy to, to try and raise capital. Chances are they're going to fail. But even if they do succeed, then they get busy with the deal and they forget about the raising capital side of things. And all yes. their investors or their prospective yep. investors here are crickets yep. between deals. And then it's active, active, active. Hey, give me money. Give me money. Give me money. And then nothing. And then yeah. six months later, give me money. Give me money. Give me money. And then nothing. Right? Yeah. Well, that's not going to work. Why the heck? No. Why, why is that going to keep anybody engaged? So again, like we talked about before, that constant, consistent, edutaining communication, not always pitching them on a deal not always trying right. to get the, get the money, but providing value and showing people that you're active about that. Yeah. That's it's not a great look when people only hear from you when you want money, right? Now they're, they're going to feel like your parents, 
right? <laughs> but when you were a teenager, hopefully. Yeah, when you were a teenager, right? It's just, hey, I'll, I'll call you when I need money. Or when you're in college, you know, that's the only time that the kid checks in, uh, you know, lets them know how things are going because they need more money. Um, and Dave, for me, the, the, the key to that has been having somebody else besides me do it. And for me, it's my mm-hmm. wife. And, you know, people might not have that as an option, but my wife is not, she doesn't have all these other things to do in the business. She like runs our life and, and, and we have kids and all that, but well, yeah, she's her, got like, a lot to, yeah, you be careful. She's got way more than I do, but uh, she, she, she has a much higher capacity. Than I I do, right. So but for her, like, and, and also she's just a better personality of like, she's just really good at focusing on the things today where I'm always, ah, you know, what's next and like going out and doing the new stuff. But yeah. she's so, I mean, she puts my podcast out every stinking week. She, she does nice. it. And I, I wasn't like that. And and so is that part of it? Dave? Do, you, do you often um, suggest that people kind of, build out a, a, a team or use a service or like how can they maybe get help to be more consistent with stuff like that? Yeah. Well, that's great. If Like the way you've got it set up is absolutely perfect. If you've got mm. somebody that's already part of it, that's good at this kind of stuff. Yeah. Delegate that to them, you know, sure. maybe show them the vision, make sure you kind of stay on yeah. top of it, but let them run with it. Um, if not, then yeah, the, uh, I'm a big proponent of the whole who, not how concept. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Dan yep. Sullivan's book. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, now it's self-serving because we provide these kind of done for you services. So, so yeah. obviously I'm a big proponent of that, but whether it's with us or, or somebody else, if yep. this isn't in your wheelhouse, um, outsource as much as possible, but keep in mind that it's still your business, right? So you always have to be on top. It's like property management, right? This is, we, I, I had the pleasure of interviewing me, uh, you on, on my show we're talking about the importance of property management. Mm-hmm. Even if you got a good property manager or management company, you still need to keep tabs of it. You have to manage the manager, right? So, yes. so you want to make oh, sure yeah. that when it comes to the capital marketing, that it's, you know, it's revolved around what you're doing, what you want to talk about, your, your voice, your personality, that kind of thing. But a lot of the nitty gritty can be completely done by other people. It doesn't have to be you. In fact, it probably shouldn't be you because, you know, the, the clients we're working with, they're busy, right? Just like you are. Right? Yes. They've got yep. families. Quite often, they're still working at a job. They're yeah. managing their current portfolio. They're looking for deals. Now they're trying to raise capital. If they're trying to do all of this stuff by themselves all at the same time, it's overwhelming. Sure. Yes. Yeah, good point. But like you said, Dave, you do still want it to be your personality that comes through. Because like you said, you're trying to get people to know, like, and trust you because yeah. you are the one that they're investing with. So that, that's a good tip there as well. Um, Hey, in, in, in your uh, bio, I've heard you talk about this before about how much just one investor is worth to you. And you say this number is life-changing. Can you tell us more about that? Oh man. Yeah. Are you, are you up for doing a little bit of fun with math here, my friend? Yes. I I love math personally. So yes. Well, I, I don't, but this is fun math because this is, this is money math. Um, So I'm going to, I remind me, Lee, does this, this comes out as an audio. Does it come out as a video as well? Yes. We have, we put it up on YouTube as well. All right. So you guys, if you're just listening to this, you might want to watch this on, on YouTube as well, but I'll, yeah. I'll try and walk through this verbally and I'll, I'll also do some chicken scratch here as well, Lee. So we're, we're flying without a net here, my friend. So okay, that's uh, all right. Let's have fun with it. And do you mind if we use you as a Guinea pig? Go for it. Okay. So yep. Lee, I know you've done a whole bunch of different kinds of deals all the way from duplexes up to hundred unit apartment buildings but let's maybe take a look at at like a bread and butter type of deal that's in okay. your portfolio. What size of a property would that be, give or take? 
Um, that'd be like a 45 unit yeah, property. Something sure. Like that. Sure. That was our first syndication was a 45 unit. Yep. Okay. Well, let's, let's look at that 45 units. So then the question would be, and this is where the math gets a little bit tough. So we, we're going to have to spitball this. All right. Okay. So Lee, you're holding on to these long-term, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So what is your best guess on what Lee's share of the profit on this 45 unit building is going to be over a 10 year period. And I know I put you on the spot here, my friend. So we're, this is real spitball, but you have to yeah. take into account everything, right? So whatever kind of fees were charged to get the deal going, whatever management fees you're getting during the course of the deal, whatever percentage of the cash flow you're getting during the deal, your percentage of the mortgage pay down, depreciation, yeah. appreciation, mm -hmm. instant equity, et cetera, et cetera. If we held it for 10 years, I don't know that one, but if we held it for 10 years, I would say it's going to mean three to $400,000. Okay. So let's just for simplicity's sake, let's say it's 400 grand. Okay. So the first number I write down here is your average net profit on the kind of deal that you're going to be doing. So we're going to say this is 400 grand is your net profit over 10 years on this deal. Right, Lee? Mm -hmm. Okay. So the next question we have to look at is how many investors did you have to do this deal? This one was a little smaller. So it was only seven. Seven investors. Okay. Yep. So we're going to put that in there because again, it's a smaller deal. So smaller uh, number of investors. Yep. That's, that's fair. Yep. So we got seven investors. So that's the, the number of investors needed for that kind of deal. Now, yep. so we're going to take the 400,000 divided by seven investors. Okay. But then we have to take into account repeat business. So Lee, you've been okay. doing this for a number of years now. What's your best guess on how many deals an investor is going to do with you over the lifetime of, of you guys working together? Yeah, I would say, yeah, Dave, it's a good question. Because I would say over half of our investors, well over half, maybe three quarters invest with us again. Um, so some people do just do one or they have so far. I mean, we're only you know, not even two years into this syndication stuff. So some people have only invested once, but I've only given them, you know, a year and a half, two years to do it. Yeah. Um, so I would say maybe the average is, is three deals. Three. Uh, maybe, okay. you know, as we go on probably more like four and five. And I think that number will just keep growing because I agree with you. Once we go full cycle, I think they'll do another one. You well, know, of and course it, they get their money back done that, Right. So they? yeah, I well, don't let's, think let's be say, conservative. Let's say three. Four. Okay. Let's say three. Okay. Yep. So we got our $400,000 profit divided by seven investors needed to do that deal multiplied by three deals that they'll probably do with us over our working relationship with them. Mm -hmm. Right now, yep. the next question is in your experience, how many referrals do you think you can get from your average investor? So how many, other investors will they refer to you who will actually become investors with you as well? Yeah. Um, again, that, that's, that's been big for us. We've had a lot of yeah. investors uh, give referrals and um, you know, when they're happy, they want their friends to know about it because they of think course. it's a good way to make money. And especially um, if you're proactive about asking for referrals. Too, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Um, and so some people have given us two or three, again, we're, we're, we're kind of new days. So I would, I I would imagine that is, is probably somewhere around two or three, because there's some people that won't give us any referrals. Of course um, not. But yeah, I, I would expect a few out of out of most of our investors. 
So would you say, could we say on average, they'll give you two referrals? Yeah. yeah so sure. that would mean that one investor, let's see if I can do my numbers without <laughs> with my fingers without getting offensive. So one investor is going to bring two more investors two more on investors. board, right? Mm -hmm. So that means our referral factor is three. One investor turns into three investors. Does that make okay. sense? Sure. Okay, so that's our referral factor, I call it. So help me out with the math here, my friend. We got 400,000 is your average yep. profit divided by seven investors. Yep. So where are we at there? Do you have a calculator? And put it yep. on the spot. Sorry, a little over 57,000. So let's just say 57,000. Okay, multiplied by three. Yep, you're about 171,000 or 170, okay. make it easy. Okay, multiplied by three again. 510. What I call the lifetime worth of an investor to you and your company. Half a million dollars. $510,000, my friend. That is kind of mind blowing. That's the face I was yeah. hoping to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Dave, I love that. I mean, um, I'm not shy about, uh, you know, as a, as a general partner and, you know, I'm not shy to our investors that I plan on making a lot of money in real estate, but what's great about that, Dave is like, that's how much I, I, I plan on them making as well. And yeah. our investors, like most deals, they get most of the cash flow. We take all the risk. We do get more on the back end because we're the business owner taking all the risk and giving them paying them first. And then we get paid if there's anything. So if things go well, we will do really well, but so will our investors. And so I love that because they're so valuable to us and it, it is our investors. I mean, I tell them this, it's, it's them that allows us to buy these properties and allows us to do very well financially for our families. But it's only because they're going to do really well as well. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it's a two-way so awesome. street. Yes. That, so, so when I'm working with clients, we figure out this number that I call it the lifetime worth of an investor. And then I just have them sear that number in the inside of their brain. Because here, and very, very applicable for you, my friend, because when yeah. the going gets tough with raising capital, keep your eye on the target. Realize that, hey, each investor I'm bringing on board is conservatively worth half a million dollars to me and my company, or not not immediately, but over the lifetime of us working together. So that's one investor. What if you got 10, 20, 30 investors? That it just That's why we're in this business of real estate investing. Now, the sure. other thing it brings to mind is, it lets us know how much time, effort, and money we should be putting into A, getting investors on board, yeah. and B, keeping them happy, yep. right? Yes, so, right. So one of the things you were asking a little earlier, what, what are some good ways to, to keep in touch with people? Well, I would have that, that list of hot prospects like you talked about. But you've also got your list of active investors, people that have actually cut you a check already, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Those folks, those guys and gals, they need extra TLC. So yeah, there we might be including stuff in the mail, right? Yeah. Why not yeah. be sending them anniversary gifts, anniversary of when they invested with us, right? Mm. So it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be over the board, but a nice card and a, you know, it could be a a keg gift certificate or some sort of a gift certificate, go up yeah. for dinner, have dinner on us, that sort of thing. Maybe you have a nice get together once a year picnic for everybody, something like that. Just a, going that little extra above and beyond can make a huge, huge difference. But yeah, for it's, sure. It's pennies when you look at the, the lifetime, lifetime worth of an investor. Yeah. Yeah. Really good stuff, Dave. So 
Um, I know you you've got a new podcast out, right? Yeah, and, man. And this, yeah. this is what you, and this is the kind of stuff you're talking about. You're 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 teaching people. Um, uh, uh, and then you've got other stuff. Where, where can people go and and get more of this kind of information to help them get started with their capital raising? Well, the only thing I'd really like to talk about, Lee, is is my brand new podcast. I'm very excited about it. It's called yeah. the How to Raise Capital 101 Show for Real Estate Investors. And that's what it's all about. It's it's for yeah. newer capital raisers who are just getting started, who aren't quite sure how to go about doing this. Uh, we really help people raise their first six figures in as little as a few weeks and the first seven figures in as little as a few months following what I call my money partner awesome. formula. So again, that is the show. So wherever you're listening to Lee's amazing podcast. You can tune into my new podcast, the How to Raise Capital 101 Show, or you can go to the website. It's called RaiseCapital101Show.com, 101. And uh, the first nine episodes are kind of like a little mini course on my entire process, what I call my money. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Yeah. good stuff. Well, yeah, we'll put all that in the show notes, Dave. I, I highly recommend it. I mean, I've shared a little bit of my story about you know, the, the raising capital is difficult and it comes down to what you're talking about, David, being proactive and being consistent. You've, you've got to do those things or you'll get there and you'll have a good deal and you'll think everybody's just going to jump in and they, they won't because you haven't done enough to establish a relationship and, and get them ready, you know, and, and, and cultivate that and, and have it, you know, ready to produce when you need it. So highly recommend that. Um, Dave, this has been great. Uh, I would like to transition just a little bit. I would like to ask, sure. you know, just, just family, uh, faith, if that's important to you, but like how has real estate you know, um, I mean, you, you kind of gave us, you know, the story of like moving your family up to Canada, kind of having nothing and being unemployable and like, what am I going to do? And, and it sounds like real estate has been the, the path for you. What has real estate done for your family? What's it look like now? Maybe sell the dream a little bit if it's good or, or tell us some of the difficulties, but uh, people that are thinking maybe they want to get into real estate, maybe it's going to change their family's life. How's that been for you? Yeah, well, I've been a real estate, what I say, I call it real estate entrepreneur for just about 20 years now, mm-hmm. since 2003. Um, it's been everything financially for, for myself and my family, either directly through investing in real estate or yeah. indirectly by providing services for other real estate investors. So these days myself, I realized a while ago, I kind of suck at the whole tenant and property management side <laughs> of things. So yeah. I prefer to partner up passively and, and be a passive investor these days and, and focus my skills on, on helping other real estate investors, uh, raise capital for their deals. My my wife and I we enjoy traveling. Obviously, yeah. with COVID, that put a kibosh on things, but we're we're back into the swing of things. So, so we're typically taking two to three significant trips a year. That's um, great. I enjoy spending a at least a month uh, over the over the winter time in Mexico, away from the cold in Canada. You don't like so, Canada's winters? Actually, I do. I enjoy skiing, but I, okay. I can take a break from it. On yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm the same way. I like winter too, but I don't mind going to Florida for a little bit. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Good stuff. Cool, Dave. Well, hey, um, you, you've got a uh, you got a book too, don't you? I always ask for a, a book recommendation. You, you've got uh, what one or one or two or more books? It. Well, I've got eight eight books, but there's no eight way books. I'm going to be as, as presumptuous as to recommend my own books. People can find out all about those just Google. Sure. But okay. But some of my there there are some really good books out there these days, and one that I'm recommending a lot for active real estate investors, like a lot yeah. of your followers, yeah. is Profit. First for real estate investors. Profit yep. first for real estate investors. Who wrote that one, Dave? Oh God. I know that. Um, Mike Michaelwitz wrote the original one and David Richter, I believe. Okay. Co-authored the, the second one with Okay. Yeah. I know that so, one, but I haven't read it yet. Thanks yeah, for that. Profit first for real estate investors. Check that one out. That's really cool. I wish I had have 
known that way back in the day. It just yeah. simplifies the whole accounting and bookkeeping and okay. numbers side of yes. things that a, a lot of people aren't great at. Yeah, good stuff. Well, Dave, thanks, man. This has been really fun. Um, capital raising is so important if you want to, you know, kind of get into the bigger deals. Uh, if you want to level up a little bit, you're, you know, most people don't have millions of dollars uh, of their own to invest, um, at least not when they're getting started. That's, you know, that's why maybe, you know, 20 years down the road, you might, uh, if you get into real estate, but you don't when you we begin. So appreciate the stuff you're putting out, Dave, and, and the new podcast and everything that you've been doing for years. So um, thanks for coming on and sharing it with my listeners. Thank you so much. And keep doing what you're doing, Lee. I appreciate it as well. Yeah. Well, hey, before I let you go, Dave, I always like to ask my guests, I um, almost forgot, what, what's uh, something my listeners and I might be praying for you, maybe you, your family, business, anything like that in the coming weeks? Well, I, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, well, we're in a good spot right now, but always if, always use a little help with the 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 health and the well-being side of things. Yeah. Knock on sure. wood, everything's good, but... Good. Uh, that's that's something that's always a priority. That's well, that's sure. a praise. Yeah. Well, then what we, that's a, a prayer of praise. And, and uh, yeah, but we'll just pray that I continue for you, Dave. That's good. Yes, sir. Thank you. Praying for that at all. We're good, man. Well, hey, have a good one. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Take care, man. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. I hope you'll take action on what you've learned today. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving Lee a five-star rating and review. And check him out on threefoldrei.com. Until next time, 1 Timothy 6.17.